first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Hey, before we get started, uh, this is Jeff along with Eric. Like, we finished... Okay. We finished the show, and then... About what ninety seconds later, UCF finished off That's a right. ten to two victory for uh, in softball over Fresno State. Eric Lopez, Angelina so, Devoe shut him down. One, two, three. She knew we were under the buzzer. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, you know, we needed. Hey, we needed to. I we tried. You'll hear at the end of the show. We tried to stall as much as we could. I I, I threw out the option of throwing doing play by play, but Jeff vetoed it. So, well, as as they say, you know, descriptions and accounts of this game. <laughs> Are the uh, are the exclusive property of whatever that's, it is that's the Mountain West Television Network. Mountain West the Television yeah. Network. So UCF gets the victory over Fresno State, tend to do in softball, which you hear us talk about throughout the show. Just wanted to put that out there so that you guys knew as we finish off this cold open. All right, let's get to the show. This is the Black and Gold and Red Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast on this busy, busy March Wednesday night. We're recording this late Wednesday night, March 9th. Uh, Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you, and the student of the game, Kyle Nash, joining us here for the first segment. We got a lot to talk about. It's going to be all basketball this, this segment. Uh, we got to, if you're uh, listening to this on Thursday, we got a doubleheader tonight, folks. It's crazy. We got the first round men's basketball game against USF. It's a doubleheader of of uh, of war on I four. Men in the first round of the of the AAC men's tournament at seven, followed by the women facing off against each other for the conference championship for the women's conference championship. Both those games on ESPNU. A little bit later, uh, Kyle Nash earlier earlier talked to. Jordan Johnson, former center, who's uh, taken a, a graduate assistant job at the University of Cincinnati. We will rightfully roast him for that. Uh, and uh, a little bit later on, Bryson Turner joins us to talk about some um, baseball. And Eric's going to talk about some uh, softball. I know, Jeffrey, we are at the peak of Equinox. There's a lot. Like, as we're recording, there was there's live West Coast UCF softball that I'm following. There was baseball at night i mean this is yeah. well, it's chaotic i know base baseball just beat fam u 18 to 4 um oh. yeah uh softball they're in the middle of that west coast trip like they, they beat pacific yesterday run rolled them right yeah so we'll nothing a little bit more about that and uh that right now we're recording this about 10 p.m eastern time on wednesday what's the score right now eric is it- as we record this it's four to one ucf top of the third they're at fresno state against the uh the bulldogs there second bulldogs. game of a long west coast valley. trip which we'll get into later in the show hopefully with a final score yeah so all right let's get the student of the game up in here kyle nash all right kyle so uh we're going to talk hoops a segment and we got to start with the women of course who 
you know, obviously the one seed in the conference tournament uh, and have proven themselves to be more than worthy of that uh, to this point, as they have uh, ended these seasons respectively of uh, both uh, uh, Tulsa on uh, yesterday afternoon to start the tournament and then SMU today um, to advance to the conference championship game uh, in Dickey's arena in Fort Worth, which will be nine, approximately 9 PM Thursday, March the 10th against USF. But let's talk about this semifinal game that UCF just crumpled SMU into a tiny little ball and threw him into the garbage. Uh, 61 to 28 was the final. The 28 points allowed is a season low for the nation's number one scoring um, defense. And uh, I I joked uh, late in the fourth quarter when it was 57 to 25, I said, UCF is currently on a 57 to 25 run. Um, (laughs) The, uh, they got off to a great start and did not stop. Uh, Four players in double figures. Uh, Brittany Smith led everybody with 13 off the bench, 11 for diamond battles on four 13. 10 each for Shania Mertens and uh, Masnikava, but really it was just holding SMU to, they held them to three field goals or less made in three of the four quarters. I mean, this was the, we've seen great defense from this team. This performance took, takes the cake. No, absolutely. And listen, Jeff, let, let, let's do it this way. You make the joke about runs. Listen, the first quarter was a 15 to three run. Let me be clear about that. <laughs> UCF has had as many rebounds in that first quarter as, the, and that number matched you uh, SMU's shooting percentage of 7%, 7% in, the in the first quarter. quarter. Yeah, listen, man. And, 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 and uh, you know, just you could say what you will. I mean, the rebounding was 34 to 34 by the end of the game, but early on, technically speaking, SMU was out rebounding UCF. But again, not really shooting the ball great. The one quarter they did get double digits, of course, was the second. And UCF still technically um, only lost that quarter by a single point. Uh, you know, something else is interesting, too. They had 10, uh, excuse me, 10 steals and six rejections on the night. Jeff, the only other time I've seen ladies get that many rejections was me asking for a prom date in high school. OK, that is insane. It is way too late at night for me to be dealing with these dad jokes, man. Hey, you I, I, started it. Really, ugh. You started we, it in the message room. Yeah, it has spilled out into. I'll take. I'll take responsibility for it only up to a point. So, <laughs> um, so so th- their reward is a third matchup with USF, who who right. UCF uh, swept in the regular season. Um, South Florida, by the way, you want to talk about rebounding. I did want to at least pour one out, uh, for the women's team for UCF in the game against Tulsa in a game that was a little tighter than I think a lot of us were thinking, especially in the early going Tulsa really, uh, kind of stuck with UCF through the first half, but, uh, the Knights out rebounded Tulsa 50 to 20, uh, in their first round game or quarterfinal game, I should say including uh, 25 to five on the offensive glass, which they did it rebounding. They did it by stopping the shooting. I mean, what else can you do? But now here comes uh, USF who, um, you know, it's, it's another war on I-4. And throughout the records when these two teams play, I know that's a cliche, but it's true. Obviously UCF got the sweep this season um, with uh, a, a win at home by 16 points back in January and then they won and then UCF won Tampa held them to 33 points in Tampa 
uh, in a 22 or 21 point win um, the day before Valentine's day. But um, Jose Fernandez is going to have them ready. I mean, they have to be, and, and, and we know that they're going to be able to step this thing up. What, what are we thinking this? How is this game going to turn out for tomorrow based on what we've seen? I mean, so here's, here's what it is. I think what it's going to come down. First of all, let me tell you this coach Abe would match you word for word that coach Jose is going to be ready to go. I mean, she, the, the respect that these two coaches have for one another has been apparent from moment one, the season and probably goes well beyond that. Certainly. Um, I'll put it this way. I feel like if certain things that haven't gone as well in the two games, dominant wins as they were gentlemen, USF is uniquely poised to create all of the air quotes, worst case scenarios for UCF. Now, granted, the one thing they haven't created was forcing a slow start for, for UCF to this point, right? Both of the games in the sweep, we've lamented, we've lamented the slow start of, of, of the Knights women's basketball team throughout the season. It's happened entirely too much. Coach Ape could even tell you the same. Um, however, in both these games, much like in, in SMU uh, today, came right out the gate, guns blazing on offense. It was a good time all the way around. Here's what I'm getting at. You mentioned, Jeff, that Tulsa com competing with UCF early wasn't really competition so much as they managed to come out just blasting it, chucking it from the cheap seats, right? Um, to yeah, their, their, whole, their whole MO that game is just we're going we're gonna to shoot threes and hope we make enough of them and deny the post right they were hoping to outscore and, and really when you look at any game that ucf has struggled in and or loss and involves an uh, i shouldn't say an excellent necessarily but at least a more than competent above average hitting of the three-point shot i should probably put that um, stat together what the three-point percentage was in their three losses so far this season that'll sound all spiffy next podcast but um if the difference, what was it that you kept hearing in the post-game press conference from Brittany Smith, Master Kamba, and Coach Abe after the Tulsa game? Something, something, they were over undersized. Okay, USF does not have that problem. There's a star that uh, Eric Lopez made me aware of. Manunga is her name, uh, right, uh, Eric? That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So they have that size to at least do something. I'm not here to say cancel it out, but certainly not be just manhandled in, in the in the low press. Listen, when you have a conference freshman player of the year, Tamira Poindexter, in there trying to defend the sixth player of the year in the conference, Brittany Smith and uh, her compatriots, Destiny Thomas and Masni Kaba, good things are not going to happen. However, Manunka can hang there and has done that in moments in these two games, right? Um, what it's come down to is USF is trying to play what Coach Abe calls pretty ball. When um, it's not uh, uh, in in the post to Manunga, and it it they don't hit it enough. If you look at the uh, last year's final, the big stat where you UCF falls short is stopping that three, and they hit it that game, guys. I really think it came down to that. When I look at the stat sheet, granted I didn't see the game personally, um, as I was not covering the team yet, but you know, being a data guy for a living that that I am, I'm putting it together that you know sometimes when you fire it from beyond the arc. You win, especially when it's a team that you, I shouldn't say capitulate, but respect that the post play is going to crush you to a certain extent. Eric, um, uh, USF is going to be playing without Maria Alvarez, who got hurt right before the tournament. They've kind of um, struggled quite a bit here, I think, in those first two games for them, right? right. Um, they... Uh, beat memphis by 10 memphis kind of hung around him for a 
little while. Memphis is a pretty, pretty well-sized team though. And, uh, and Houston gave them a, gave them a little bit of trouble earlier today. Where, where do you think in from tomorrow in terms of this game is, 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 is there, is there reason to be confident or is there, should we fear overconfidence? I don't know if I, I think Kyle's nailed this game a hundred percent. This is a game where South Florida is going to be ready for this game. This is, they've circled this game since they got embarrassed at home. Hmm. Uh, they're not as dynamic as skilled as past USF teams. They're not as great of a three point shooting team. That being said, Sydney Harvey, who has struggled, lit up UCF in the championship game last year. And, and Kyle, you mentioned Bethy Manunga. Manunga. She dominated Houston. 18 rebounds in the ball game. That's the difference maker because what USF does is they're going to shoot a ton of threes, just like Tulsa. But the difference is they can get second and third opportunities, and that's going to be decided in the boards. UCF has been beating South Florida this year because they've taken USF's three-point shot away and held them to one shot for the most part. That's if, a good point. That's, a, that's the best point. Extra possessions. To beat UCF, you need extra possessions. And USF, when they've been successful against UCF in the past, has gotten extra possessions and been able to score. Now, can Sydney they have? They're going to have to shut down Sydney Harvey. You know, Elisa Pinzon, Snink. Yeah, you know, they're going to all shoot. They're all going to shoot. But don't the the boards will decide this as much on both sides because South Florida can defend too, and that will be the challenge for UCF because you know, here's the question we still have about this team. We talk about the balance scoring and all that. It's easy to score when you're playing from ahead. But what happens if this team falls behind? Do they start pressing? You look at last year's championship game. They had a drought in the second quarter. They dug themselves a hole. They made a run in the second half, but it was too late. I think to me, offensively, they've got to be efficient. It'll be interesting to see what Jose Fernandez brings to the table. He's been playing off the guards. He's been daring him to beat him from the perimeter. Does he stick to that game plan? Uh, I think he will, or does he try to mix it up? I I'm really interested in this chess match. I actually think South Florida has the edge here because they've been beaten twice, and it's hard to beat a team three times. But the one thing I will say that gives me confidence, this UCF team is and Kyle, you mentioned this in the postgame after the uh, the win here against they had against SMU. This team ain't just here to play for the championship game. This has been a year. This has been 365 days in the uh, coming. This is they've been circling this date for a year. Day more than that too. I would yeah. think. You know, ever since UConn left the league, um, Coach A would agree with you. I heard him made that statement. A couple of things about the rebounding numbers. I think it's interesting when you look at these two teams as, as how they played this year. Um. USF is third in the conference in rebounds per game. UCF is eighth. But these are the top two teams in the conference in terms of rebounds allowed, rebounds given up. UCF gives up the fewest rebounds of any team in the American, 32 a game. USF right behind them at 33. Rebounding margin, South Florida this season, plus 7.6, best in the conference. UCF third plus 5.7. So it's it, it that, like you were saying, Eric, that's that's where this game is going to be yep. decided. And if you look at Tampa and Tampa, you had Smith, Kaba, and Kyle, your girl, Destiny Thomas, mm -hmm. take care of Munaga. And they took care of the boards. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the key. This is going to be a very intense, 
physical game, probably the most physical game of the three games these two teams have played. They're playing for a championship. South Florida doesn't want to go down three times in a row. UCF, this is the game they've been playing, waiting for. Uh, it's going to be electric. Uh, I wish the game was not in Fort Worth. I wish it was elsewhere where they actually have fans in the building. <laughs> that would be better. But it is it is what it is, you know. With I, all the- I'd be suited up and ready to watch. And listen, let me add <laughs> to it. You mentioned Destiny and 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 Brittany. Listen, Masi Kamba is Masi Kamba. Um, we've already cited that she can pull back and shoot from the high post and do some amazing things. What we've seen that uh, that that I shouldn't say surprises me, but encourages anybody who's a fan of watching these ladies play. Um, Brittany Smith has showed a toughness that I yes. would not have expected from. Brittany's a, really stepped it up in this tournament, these two yeah. games. I'm really well, the whole up. year. I would say even the whole year since that USF oh, yeah, game no in doubt. Tampa, she's taken it to a different level. That's why she won the sixth person of the year award in the American. This is the best basketball that Brittany Smith has played in her UCF career, without I mean, question. A great way to go out. Listen, Brittany Buckets, like. She's doing her thing, man. And but what I want to me- mention specifically is she wants to be remembered for her turnaround jumper. If you heard her interview uh, surrounding her senior night, but what I saw today and in, in in games towards the end of the season, the scrap in getting up for rebounds and battling and reaching for things. I'm like, listen, Destiny's got that. You don't have to do it. But then I say that, and here comes Dance Destiny Thomas. Sure, most of her scoring is putbacks. I'm not going to deny that. But in the Tulsa game that ended the season, uh, that uh, was the season finale, she uh, had some uh, jump shots and, and has started to do her best Masari Kaba impression in making some high post shots and being more aggressive with the basketball. Started to actually put it on the deck one or two times to draw people and do things. And look, listen, look out, gentlemen, say what you will. But even though Masri Kaba and uh, um, Brittany Smith are, bo- are both going to be departing the program, as a fifth-year senior and senior, this is it's it's they're fine in the post with Destiny Thomas staying around. Yeah. Um, one other note about uh, about what we've seen for that. So, and Eric, I want to talk to you about this. So, re- let let's put the result for tomorrow aside. And this this is UCF's chance to win their first conference tournament championship since 2011 in Conference USA with Joy Williams. First, and and an opportunity to win their first double that is winning the regular season and conference tournament championship since 1999. Great stat. Kyle, make a note of that. That's a great stat. Sharia Davis, right? was the star player. Sharia Davis was was on that team. She's a UCF Hall of Famer. I'm hearing you right, Jeff. But zooming out for a bit, Eric, I want to take a look. All right, so we're looking at the two teams from the American that are going to go to the NCAA tournament, regardless of what happens on, uh, on Thursday night. UCF right now 21st in the net. South Florida at 40. Uh, the latest bracketology, Charlie Cream, has UCF as an eight seed, which would be their best seed in school history, playing against the nine seeds such as Arkansas. Uh, perhaps that would set up. I don't think I don't see that happening. They already played in the regular. See, I hate when. Come on, bracketologists, be cleaner. Come on, come on, come on. Well, Charlie. let me. Well, let, it, the matchups, they never get the matchups right. Usually they get the teams right, but not the yeah. matchups right, which is yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to get the, it's hard to get the matchups right anyway. Right, but don't but, pick a rematch. Like, they never, I mean, they, the, the committee's one thing I will say, they don't put rematches in the first round. But as I look at the bracketology, yeah. UCF has an eight. Do, do you, number one, do you think that's the right seed? And number two, that means in the second round, assuming UCF gets through the first round, you're playing a one seed. Yep. 
So, you know, it's, we're, we're far afield, right? We're, we're talking about a team that has never won a, a program that has never won an NCAA tournament game in its history in six tries. But this is as good a team as we have seen. What's well, the best shot, right? It's the best team they've it's ever their had. Best shot. Yeah. Not just to, not just to win a first round game, but potentially to get to the sweet 16. You know? Well, that's going to be yeah, tough. If it they're depends on who you, but it, but again, it depends on like, like we're saying, what seed do you get and who do you play? And that's well, what it boils down to if, in yeah. every tournament. I, and gentlemen, let me add this too. Even if you don't think this is the best team in, in women's history, which like I'm kind of biased. This is the first year I've been covering them. Hey, you get credit, my friend. Exactly. The heck do I know? But at the very least, guys, this is the most accomplished set of ladies in the program's history. Without question. Look at all the stuff they've crossed off the mark. You just mentioned another first that if they pull off that eighth seed and everything holds the way we expect, gentlemen, that eighth seed is the highest in program history. Masi Kaba scored her thousandth point this season. Uh, um, um, Lisha Lewis had 10 steals in a game. The first time they won a conference since, what was that? Um Oh, uh, 2005 was the first first regular season years ago. I just remembered. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I can go on down the line. How many uh, conference team appearances, defensive and player of the year for the conference coach for the conference, sixth player for the conference. Gentlemen, if they were trophies for each and every single one of these things, I would need to buy a new cabinet. Actually, you know what I'll do? I'll lease USFs for football. Okay. Wow. Anyways. There we go. Just throwing. <laughs> there we go. They're in shots. There. Um, well, I, 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 will, I, will I will say, say this, this, Jeff. Let me tell you real well, quick. Ahead. For them to have a shot in the Sweet 16, if you can get to a six seed, maybe even a seven, which I think it's possible if they win this title. That would be the best. Uh, it's going to be hard as an eight seed. Uh, uh, women's basketball, the, the one seats never lose. Never. And remember, the one seats get to host. So it's not like you're playing them on a neutral court. At home, yeah. Six well, one seed did lose yeah. many moons ago. Stanford. Uh, yeah, that was 100, 100 years ago. Yeah. that's. Uh, I wouldn't expect that. years ago. Yeah. It was 25. If I may, gentlemen, <laughs> one thing I will throw out. If there's a team that has the chemistry and the makeup to surprise a team like that, it is this one. Let yeah. me tell you why I say so. I have seen them play SEC teams, Tennessee specifically, that had ladies that were bigger than them when you look at the stats and the tail of the tape. Gentlemen, those Tennessee ladies were on their butts by way of Destiny Thomas on Ma- and Masani Cobb. Well, they could defend. They could be physical. They'll be That was the early game. in the season, too. Right. Right. Now, but again, we got to see. We'll have to. Hold again, on, I'm not quite done. Well, I just, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We got a title game we got to talk about. Come on, I want to hear what Kyle has to say here. The other piece is the defensive player of the year slash player of the year diamond battles. If you put them on their star, you can utilize the Bill Belichick slash any coach that plays method of taking away their best weapon on the perimeter and then dare them to match you in their second and third option. They won't have an answer for Brittany Buckets, I would suspect. If they do, they deserve to win. But when you start getting into that depth and that nitty-gritty and that versatility, they won't expect UCF to match it, and they'll have a shot. I would also put Tay Sanders in that bracket, too, as kind um, of a, as a key a great point player on the wing. Now, I'm a little concerned. Now, she left the game today. She kind of limped off the floor. I didn't see what, what caused it, but, it, you know, she – Maybe she rolled her ankle or something. Might have been so, precaution. Precaution. She was celebrating yeah. there at the end. So I yeah, I know she, she was uh, on the bench uh, celebrating. She yeah. she didn't look any worse for the wear. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's like maybe she doesn't show up in any injury report. But 
it, it lingers. So I always worry about that. I will say this, like you were saying, Eric, let's say UCF somehow can get to a seven seed and they're in a 10, you'd play a two seed potentially in the first round. You know who Charlie cream has as a two seed. Go for it. How about the Yukon Huskies? Oh, snap. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't want that either. Don't want that either. Or, no. or how about how about the Baylor Bears? No, don't. Well, that's a future Big Twelve conference game. We can how wait about on that. The, how about the LSU Tigers? Kim Bulky done a heck of a job. That would not be as bad of a matchup uh, deal there. But again, we're getting hurt of ourselves, boys. We got a championship game to worry about. We got next week to figure out the matchups and all that. We'll have a ton of coverage. We're gonna we're gonna have. By the way, all the post games are on our YouTube channel. We'll have coverage of this. Uh, we'll have coverage on selection night. Uh, where we got a bunch of planes and wet planes for the tournament. Kyle, Kyle in his first year has helped this tournament program get to the top 25 regular season title. Coach James has never won a coach of the year in the American until Kyle showed up. I'm just, oh, you know, just, I'm just helping. Just making that point abundantly clear. Intelligence and press conferences. Right? Now, now we have perfect segue, a rather busy night tomorrow, not only because of the yeah. women playing in the championship game, but prior to that, the appetizer to the main course is another war on I-4 game between UCF and USF, this being the men in the first round of the men's uh, uh, tournament. Three first-round games in the men's tournament, followed by the women's championship tomorrow, four games in Fort Worth. Um, Both the UCF-USF games will be on ESPNU. Seven o'clock, it's UCF, the sixth seed, against the 11th-seeded South Florida Bulls, uh, obviously, the two teams, as we know, split the regular season. Um, UCF had what I guess you, let's let's call a spade a spade here—a disastrous ending to the regular season with two losses on the road, including the season finale at Tulsa in a game where they blew a rather sizable lead and then got beat on a fifty-foot buzzer beater uh, to on senior night, which is, I mean, just. I made the joke on Twitter, but you know, it's only partially a joke. I'm like, write the 45 million. And you actually, Eric, you deserve credit for this because you said it first Thank in the you. chat. Oh, and we should because Just write we, the $45 and, million and, and, dollar check right now. So that we never yes. have to go back to Tulsa ever, ever, ever again. We have now lost officially folks in walk-off fashion, in dramatic fashion in football to them in that, in that city. Softball has been walked off. Now basketball's been walked off. Thankfully, they don't have a baseball program, so baseball hasn't been say, walked it off. It baseball, but no, Tulsa doesn't have baseball. They don't. If, if they did, uh, they would probably. They and probably men's soccer, men's soccer just soccer. lost to them in the championship game. Last minute goal. We never know. Like, in fact, if I'm Mike Oresco, when you know as these negotiations are going, I would just threaten UCF. Either you pay us, or we're going to send you to Tulsa as long as you're here. And I would guarantee. <laughs> and I, and then at that point, I would chip in and write the check. <laughs> what but, do you mean that Tulsa is the central championship spot for all sports in the American? <laughs> so, uh, so, so it, it dropped UCF to 17 and 11. And, and remember Kyle, we were saying 19 and nine is we have a shot. Right. Man, right. Well, now they're set it, it, number five seed in the turn. Well, they lose the last two games of regular season on the road. They finished the regular season 17 and 11 and they're playing in the first round. So, um, and to, to make matters worse, at least as of right now, is checking the latest D ratings NIT bracketology. UCF's not even listed. And you can think that so, Tulsa game again. Yeah, the Tulsa game I think was really was really what hurt. Um, I mean, having both of them was awful. But I mean, at the end yeah. of the, I think something that's not being made enough of um, is the 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 um, 
I mean, the Tulsa game was rough, but the two lane game, I really think was tough because first of all, I had no indication that Darren green was going to miss that game. Yeah. That was nobody a did. surprise. Nobody did. Nobody did. Okay. And I mean, and to listen, this is a UCF thing. They're pretty good. And Isaiah at- Adams missed the, the, the Tulsa game too. Well, he left early in that game with an injury. Yeah, you're right. And uh, based on what Coach Dawkins said in his media availability this week, eh, we'll see. It doesn't sound like Adams or Mayhem may be available uh, Thursday. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, if they're both out, that's 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 problematic at this point. Um, because you know who that's a euphemism. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, uh, that when you would listen, credit to Tulane bringing out small ball, being aware of those shortages in those smaller positions because there's only so much you can do what are you going to do you're going to bring out jameel reynolds at the three spot and have him chase people that's a joke obviously but you know i mean as as swift as cj walker and chicken bucky jong are you're in a rough patch at that point and then i mean listen say what you will about the tulsa situation just trying to overcome again i mean i'm not in favor of signing the 45 million dollar check but i understand I mean, when, when, when you have, when you have that line from Chris rock, I'm not, I'm not saying you should sign the $45 million, but I understand. But, but Kyle, I got to give you credit last week. You were, you said it on this show, you were concerned about the week layoff Mm -hmm. and I, I just, for whatever reason, they haven't played well in long layoffs and they didn't play well in the Tulane deal. And, you know, we could talk about the last second shot and the home cooking, the, the time clock there, but it should never have come to that point. Yeah, well, we, shouldn't talk, we shouldn't talk about the home cooking and the time clock because I went frame by frame on that thing and he got the shot off. Well, there you go. Wow. That's a Did you miss that? Job. My little breakdown on Twitter, Eric Lopez? Is oh, no, I, it was great. And people were still talking smack because you were delivering facts. But, hey, enough about I was Twitter. too depressed. I was still in shock of what I saw. <laughs> uh it, it, to be honest, I was too depressed. I think I stayed out of social media. So yes, I probably did miss that. Because I'm, I didn't. I did not know. I thought okay. So he did get it off. Good. I feel better. I guess. Um, well, but, one last thing with the Tulsa yeah. piece, guys. It's very simple. We could say about this. This should have never happened. That should have never happened. Here's the stat that if I'm Coach Dawkins, I'm slamming on the table for everybody to look at, and I'm having them line up right at the charity stripe nine for 18 gentlemen you have to be kidding me including your senior missing a free throw it puts you up three misses that sets you up to lose that fit on a buzzer beater i mean you're right like this thing didn't close we've argued we've argued for weeks about the temple home loss here's another one where they didn't close this team just doesn't close well especially on the road it's tough man it's it's a bummer and it's disappointing and now you've put yourself in a really bad spot because now you're playing South Florida, and South Florida isn't very good. But South Florida can make their season by not eliminating UCF then ending their season. That's what you've put yourself into now. Now you've you know we wanted to get that top five seed, avoid that you know get a buy. You don't get that. Now you got to play USF. We don't know if this team is in full strength. Where are they physically? Where are they emotionally? Where are they mentally? Man, don't now you got to play your rival, and that's not going to be an easy game. I think that's going to be an ugly game. And if you somehow get by that. You got a fresh Memphis team looking for meat the next night. Well, let's let's put this out here though first. UCF is a nine and a half point favorite. In this aye, aye. I know, aye. I know, but well, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry, there's a uh, there's a reason for that, right? And and you were right. Memphis is coming up next, but personally, it, man, I, it, the Memphis has really surprised everybody, I think, including us. Like ever since they lost 
that that UCF loss that they suffered. Uh, well, they're at, playing to their place. potential. Final. They really, they really have, and, and Penny deserves some credit, man. Yeah, they yeah, really yeah. have stepped it up. Um, I have to double check and see what they, you know, how many games they've won in a row yet. But that, now they're nineteen and nine. They bait. You were saying to us in the group chat, Eric, that you think they've played themselves right into the end. Yeah, I mean they've swept Garden. Houston. Yeah, they swept Houston. They have a win over Houston, uh, Alabama. They have a win over Virginia Tech. Uh, they're in. I would argue they're the favorites in this tournament right now. Uh, you know, Houston's not what they were a few months ago. They've obviously the injuries have caught up with them. They've uh, won ten out of eleven. Yeah, Memphis. no, they're, ten, they're of the, ten of the last eleven since they lost. Right three in a row, the first of which was to UCF. They lost at UCF, at East Carolina, home to SMU, and then they ripped off 10 of 11. Yeah, no, they're playing on a high level. Hopefully we get to play them because that means we'd have beaten South Florida, which is the first that we have to – they have to beat South Florida first. And, Kyle, you were there when they beat South Florida, but we've also seen this team get embarrassed by South Florida in their worst game of the year. Now, the good news is – we can't blame Andrew Glukoff this time. He won't be in attendance in person in Fort Worth for the USF game. So you can't use that as a crutch anymore, Kyle. Wow. Wow. It, Andrew's not even here to defend himself. <laughs> I think he would agree with you. I, <laughs> listen, <laughs> here's what I'll say, gentlemen. And, and, and I've made this point two other times in the season when it came true, right? I pointed out the stretch of games that built into the Michigan game, right? We had seen weaker performances. They had a few you know, um, no offense to these programs, but you're certainly not Houston, right? They had some games between uh, Bethune-Cookman, um, what was it, North uh, Carolina North Carolina A&T, yeah. Uh, and, and during that time, they were they were climbing, and, you know, they, they got that punch in there to get the big win, right? Then they had another situation where I think it was um, the USF came and ECU back-to-back, and they were yep. climbing and then, you know, managed to get off a, a, a click of wins in a row, until they ran into Houston again and hit that butt saw, unfortunately. But they were at 1.4 of five games in a stretch with that Houston game in there. I think what really knocked them off kilter was having no Darren Green against uh, Tulane. Losing that game, I think, was deflating to take them into the Tulsa situation, which further deflated them. Now, I think that USF has the potential to be that tune-up game to where they can at least compete with Memphis. I'm not brave enough to call a Memphis win here simply because of the injuries surrounding the three spot. I'm still worried. Like, you know, I've had my, um, we've all had our comments about Brandon Mahan and his streaky nature, um, but having him nor Isaiah Adams is problematic just from a, um, a personnel standpoint. I mean, heck, somebody at some point has to step in, step in there and play uh, those minutes. And I mean, I like I like Ty Freeman, but I don't know that that's a good idea to put him in that. At, that's well, that's you know, at, at, at that point you're playing. It's a lot of you know, it's a lot of it's going to be a lot of Ty Freeman and a lot of Dre Fuller playing that. Which and if you're playing Dre at the three, that means you're playing small. I mean, does I'll put it this way: Does 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 uh, Coach Dawkins take a risk, have uh, D, uh, DJ Darius Johnson and Ty Freeman at the top of your backcourt and ha- run Perry like a three. He has the size for it, but I don't know that he that wants that much youth, especially the first time you try it, per se, air quotes, in a tournament. Well, especially if, if and again, we don't know, if Adams and Mayhem are out, you're going to need Perry to score. And you don't need him to be play, guarding small forwards and, you know, get beat up here. Darren Green and Perry are going to have to carry the scoring. Uh, Green's, and you're right. They, they Once I heard Green was out for Tulane, I thought I that, that game actually didn't surprise me as much because they need his perimeter shooting. Just a threat 
yes. of him yes just opens up opportunities really i mean him out of the game without mayhem without green there's i mean it's easy team to guard honestly and so that part you're right they need green there uh they gotta dominate up front against usf they gotta play defense man i mean we've talked about the women's team and the defense the thing that's the different with this team they have you know, and I, I heard darius perry say this uh which i thought was a very interesting comment which i think in a way explains this team he said in this media availability hey we're one of the best defenses in the country up until the shot you know and we just got to clean up clean that up well rebounding after a shot is part of your defense your defense not done until you get the rebound i think he would uh, agree with you yeah and but that's but i think that's the problem this team has not been that lockdown defense like past UCF teams. And I think that's the thing. If you put Coach Dawkins inside of a room, Kyle, if you kind of one-on-one quietly off, you know, off there, I think Coach Dawkins is probably the most disappointed in his defense. And he's ta- how many times have you heard him in the postgame talk about the lack of, uh, of, of, you know, stopping the ball from penetrating, from driving, uh, from, you know, getting the rebounds. I, this has not been a typical UCF defense that I think the staff thought they could have the potential to be. They just, for whatever reason, if not materialized to be that defense that I think they thought they would be at the beginning of the year. Well, you, you real quick, statistically, this what bears that out is the fact that they're ninth in the American in field goal percentage defense, 42.3. That's that's high. That You know, out of, By, out of 12 teams, that's high. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's why, and it explains some of the, you know, blowing a 14-point lead to Tulsa, not holding on a lead against Temple. Past UCF teams that were with defense would not lose those leads. That's where defense comes in because college basketball offensively, it's no secret the offenses get kind of stymied towards the end of games, too much iso ball, whatever. Uh, but this team just hasn't had that identity defensively. But, you know, they got to beat USF. They got to beat USF because if they don't, it is a really horrible way to end your year. A bad taste for everybody involved. You got to try to get that win, get off to some mojo. And then you come play Memphis and you hope that Memphis, maybe, you know, the bus turns and goes towards Houston instead of Dallas misses the flight, maybe misses a a route. And then, you know, maybe we have a Uh, shot. No, I see. I. You're okay. You're talking here to a guy who who was covering Georgia basketball when the tornado hit the Georgia Dome, oh, right? Yeah, and then yeah. remember doc- that. And Georgia, yeah, they did a good documentary win, there. Yeah, Georgia had to win two games in one day, including one against the best. I think the number one team in the country, in order to get in order to advance in the SEC tournament. Um, and they and they won. They won the SEC tournament that year. So. Like I, I am all, I'm maybe I'm romantic, you know, maybe I'm like, maybe some people call me naive. I call myself romantic about championship week, you know, that because, because I've seen that like anything can happen. A team can just get hot at the right time. Or is that Georgia team was healthy. This UCF team is not healthy. That's, that's an unfortunately big, correct that's, point. Unfortunately, uh, I think I think UCF could beat South Florida and play Memphis. Unfortunately, I think Kyle will be writing the recap for that Memphis game around the uh, under 16 timeout in the second half. <laughs> oh, listen, you know something? I hope the guys play that clip. Because if I'm Johnny Dawkins, I'm playing that right in front of everybody. They're like, this is hey, yeah, anything this can happen, guys. Blue I'm, calls, saying, I'm I mean, telling you Eric right. Lopez said about you. If yeah, like, yeah, it's Andrew. Yeah, just Stat yeah. Boy Drew. Yeah, tweet at yeah, Stat Boy Drew. Gonna, 
Yeah, now you're going to want people to confuse. Look, I mean, it's a hard uh, matchup. It's a. I mean, first of all, you got to get to that game. And again, I'm not. I'm not discounting this South Florida game. I actually would. I might take the points uh, if you force me. I thankfully I don't. I, I'm going to stay away. But I mean, Memphis is going to press him to death, and UCF. You, and that's the problem. That's why we've talked about the show to get that bye week. To get the bye is so valuable because you're going to run out of gas. It's hard to do. It's a tough draw, but they put themselves in this boat. Maybe they rally around it. Maybe they get some mojo. Maybe you play well against USF. You feel good. You can run that off. But man, it's a tough, tough draw. Listen, yeah, because because all right, let's say let's say the best thing. Sorry, Kyle. Not at um, all. Best case scenario, you beat USF. You play Memphis. If you beat them, guess who's waiting for you? SMU with the best player in the sport in the league and Kendrick Davis. You have nobody that can guard him. So yeah. I mean, it's not going to get easier. Uh, and then you may have to face Houston. Uh, I will say, if they were to beat Memphis and get to the semis, I think they could backdoor themselves back into the NIT. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, this team yeah. should have been a postseason team. I lost my expectations in October, not NCAA. Everybody was jumped the gun on that. I think this was an NCAA borderline NIT team if things go a certain way. And that's that's what I feel bad about. I think if a couple things go differently this year, maybe they are a postseason team. But that's sports for you. Sometimes it, uh, the ball doesn't bounce your way. Kyle, you've got the last word here. What do you what do you want to see happen? What do you think will happen? What I want to see happen for the love of Pete, don't leave the damn corner three open. Okay? Amen to that. Amen. This, to is, that. this that is you talk about this, this this these defensive staff gentlemen. I don't really think it's anything in transition or in in when they press, they're pretty, they're pretty tough. Listen. I mean, by the way, let's not discount our guy C.J. Walker here in his ability to score. He had 19 in that game, gentlemen, right? And the game, what was it, two games before um, in that ECU game where Darren Green had the buzzer beater, dude went two for two from behind the arc as well. Let's not act like he can't threaten on defense if Green is hitting his and opening up the floor. That all being said, for the love of God, somebody get on that corner three, okay? that I think that's just murdered them, and it is, is a good portion of the reason um, for Jeff's stat of ninth highest field goal percentage allowed. Um, I, I could do that research and dig in. Let's get an intern for that. So like, no, wait, where's stat boy? Is he busy? Uh, anyways, but um, no, Man, Andrew, not here to defend himself. Wow. He would, he would like, he would tell me he wouldn't have time, but he'd love to do it. Listen, I know the guy well enough that that assignment is right up his alley. Heck it's right up my alley. I got two kids. But uh, <laughs> he's going to be too busy analyzing the Jersey look in the game. You know, he's going to be. I got your damn anthracite anyways. No. So, um, but for my money, I think cleaning up that corner three issue is going to do a lot if he can. And um, let Bakke and Walker walk all over the bulls. I, I agreed. Agreed. That that's uh, something they can do. Get those guys in double digits. Um, and then all you need is your two more double-digit scores. Like I keep saying, all you need if you're Johnny Dawkins, Johnny Dawkins coach team is have four guys in double digits. Well, we're going to find out tomorrow. ESP, ESPNU is where you want to be at 7 p.m. Yeah. Just park yourself in front of the television uh, for those two games. UCF men against USF That's men. That's correct. John, uh, John Schriffen and Perry Clark will do the men's game, so make sure you mute that and just listen to Mark instead. And then the women's game is Tiffany Green and Brooke Weisbrod will be doing the game with Morgan Uber on the sideline. Uh, you can do what you want with that. Former former News, 13, News 13 alum Tiffany Green yes, back in the yes. saddle for doing, uh, yeah, doing, doing UCF. 
Listen, T Green's had some uh, some good some good fortune with UCF over the years. She actually called the uh, that legendary five set volleyball championship with Cincinnati in the venue. Oh, good catch! Ago. Well, it's good, good. I like that karma. They like that. Uh, that <laughs> unfortunately, Perry Clark and Schriffen just called the Tulsa game, so that's got me. Per- that's why I'm not. Con- I'm not. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Kyle is caught. Give me some calm in this segment. Listen, but I'm so. I'm, I'm still going to listen to Mark. I'm going to listen to Mark. The bad luck in Tulsa was not because of the broadcasters. I'll believe anything. I mean, you know, my. You know, if Roy Philpott was doing this game, I feel a lot better. Well, it's a fair point. ESPNU, <laughs> 7 o'clock, men against USF, 9 o'clock, women against USF. Trophy on the line in the late game, season on the line in the early game. It should be fun. Um, hopefully, we get, hopefully, we, we'll, uh, we'll get uh, a little late night sweep on the U. That's what we're hoping for out here. Fingers crossed. I know. And then it's all about uh, selection, selection time for the women. And then we'll see what the men come up with against uh, women's selection show, by the way, eight o'clock Sunday night on ESPN. Uh, The men's selection show will be at six on all the networks, the NIT nine o'clock. So, you know, there's a lot of programming. We'll have all that coverage. We'll let you know where all the basketball teams are going. The American may have a shot at three bids in men's hoops with, Memphis and SMU. UCF could crash the party, though. If they beat those teams, probably knock them out. So we'll see. By the way, the game, the first or the quarterfinal game, should UCF defeat USF, as they are favored to do, uh, would be 9 p.m. on Friday night. So they love those late nights there, Kai. Have you noticed in the Lenny American there? Hey. hey, listen, I'm a night owl anyway. I do most of my work after the kids are in bed. <laughs> all right good way to end next as segment. we are here let's go all right let's just well you're not done yet nash stick around because when we come back uh kyle's gonna stick with us and we uh a little special interview that kyle put together for us here with one of our favorite ucf knights of all time former center turned coach now at the sit with the cincinnati bearcats program and we will rightfully like i said rightfully rag him for that <laughs> jordan johnson joins the program when we return this is the black and gold banner ad podcast don't go away welcome back to the black and gold banner ad podcast jeff sharon eric lopez kyle nash with you here uh as we shift gears from basketball over to the gridiron briefly and well really more alumni stuff because um if you followed if you followed ucf since 2016 since the start of the scott frost era you know who jordan johnson is uh the center who, um, you know, was the anchor of the offensive line through the McKenzie Milton years and a really beloved human. I mean, uh, above all, um, one of the most interesting guys who I, who I ever talked to at UCF in the 20 some years I've been covering this program, um, a 300 pound center who is a v- practicing vegan. Um, yeah, he was playing. He was a vegan. Yeah, I used to call him vegan beef. It was great. Yeah, and uh, and was just uh, and was so not not just like good to talk to from an entertainment, but was a really insightful dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's uh, since leaving UCF, he's gone into he's gone into practice, he's gone into uh, coaching, and has landed himself a gig as a graduate as a uh, or as a graduate assistant. Is that right? With uh, staying with uh, within reach of UCF, at least in the American and probably in the Big 12, if he stays there with the Cincinnati Bearcats. And Kyle Nash, you caught up with him. Um, offensive lineman, kindred spirits, of course. Um, Thing I do. <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, it, 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 
we're going to hear from JJ in a second, but uh, you know, tell us what, you know, is he where, is he happy where he is and how excited is he to get this, this new venture uh, started now in the, uh, in the American and where was he before he was coaching D three. Is that right? Yeah. Um, he, he, he definitely, he definitely kind of worked his way up into it. I mean, it, it's a heck of a story. He went from, he went from uh, working on windshields or, or, or selling windshield uh, repair, so to speak, selling air quotes. Uh, he, he, we talk about the, the details of it a bit in the interview, but he goes from involving himself in the repair of windshields to coaching and, you know, going through that, the, the, you mentioned the D3 route and all that. Um, as, as a graduate assistant, he is, he is an, an assistant O-line coach um, with Cincinnati, but uh, understand this, as much as those guys want to ask him about uh, where um, the 2017 crew matches up with uh, this past year's uh, CFP participants, rest assured he's got some answers for them. I don't want to give the entire party away, but let's just say there are certain loyalties that do not change when it comes to Jordan Johnson, even though he has that Chick-fil-A logo with the three dots uh, uh, on his uh, polo shirt now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I make that joke, but listen, um, yeah, he's incredibly happy, man. I mean, the only time I've ever seen him not be happy is to ask him a question about the 2015 season. That changes his face, but that's about it. Uh, <laughs> well, let's go ahead and listen to that interview now. Here's Jordan Johnson with Kyle Nash right here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome in, fans of the Black and Gold Banneret. This, of course, is Kyle Nash, the student of the game. And I am here. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a very fantastic treat. This this individual here is one of the first UCF football players I talked to. Um, I started fo- covering the team in 2017. This was one of the guys who I look forward to talking to uh, regularly, not just because of the smile and face, but because of his intellect. And, hey, I might be one of the few guys that didn't ask him about him being a vegan and an offensive lineman every week. But if you know that, you probably already know who this is. Let me welcome in former UCF center, for uh, the 2017 team and beyond, a bit there too, and the newest addition, one of the newest additions to the Cincinnati Bearcat coaching staff. How, how does that work exactly? Well, uh, we'll find that out in a minute. We'll ask him. Jordan Johnson, how you doing this evening, man? Man, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing amazing all as well. See, this, see th- people might wonder why I had to mention the smile you always have when I talk to you. <laughs> And then you come out in intro saying stuff like that and save me the time of having to explain it. This, this, this is what it is to talk to Jordan Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'm telling you. Anyways, uh, before we get started, make sure you take time to find him on Twitter at third Johnson boy. That is the number three RD Johnson boy. Um, and of course, he is starting up a YouTube channel here doing a little bit of motivational action. We'll definitely show, uh, talk about that a bit later here in the podcast uh, his working title uh, on YouTube is Motivate with Coach J. And uh want to make sure we give a special shout-out to Amber Productions as well to help him with some of the work getting that together. We'll get into that a little bit more later, uh, Jordan. But first, man, listen. That's the first time I called you Jordan in a while. It's usually JJ. Anyway, um, uh, t- tell me this, JJ. What what with um, – when, when you got out of school, kind of tell me – what the trip looks like for you to get into coaching? Like, like how, how did that kind of evolve? All right. So a lot of the people already know about how immediately after I finished coaching, I went into sales. <laughs> I, um, I was going door to door trying to quote unquote, sell 
free windshields. A lot of people don't know, but in the state of Florida, you get, uh, if you pay for full or comprehensive coverage, you uh, are entitled to replace your windshield at no cost to you because you've already paid for it. So I was working with a marketing company that was taking advantage of that, that free, quote unquote, free um, opportunity. And I was going door to door, knocking on people's door, trying to convince them to buy a free windshield. So it was it was a, a tough thing to do, <laughs> you know. And then um, once I put it on social media and the UCF fans heard about it, you know, I know that their support is endless. So as soon as I finished um, posting it on social media, it blew up and I became the number one windshield car salesman, windshield salesman in the state of Florida for three weeks in a row. So it is no secret how much support I have with the UCF fan base. The UCF Twitter mafia is amazing, man. Yeah, you know, you 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 are you are not the first story of support when it comes uh, to uh, the social media reach of night fans. That's for certain. I mean, heck, I I might have retweeted one or two of those. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Um, exactly, man. And then immediately after doing that, one day I'm just I'm in the field. I'm I'm going door to door, knocking on doors, and uh, Tom Shaw Performance called me, mm-hmm. and that's who I did my pro day training with. Unfortunately, my pro day was canceled because I came out the year of COVID. But when um when I didn't get drafted and I, I made a good impression on Tom Shaw and Kelsey Martinez, the the first female to work in the NFL as a coach, um, once I made a good impression on them as I, as I was training with them, they asked they called me and asked me to join their staff. So I, I became a strength and conditioning coach in Daytona Beach with DME Sports is where they were um based out of, and. Um, Tom Shaw took me in. He he treated me like his son, you know, and I, I could forever appreciate him for that because him and Kelsey Martinez, they started my coaching career. And then shortly after, I ended up moving to Michigan to go coach at Madonna University. I um I coached under Herb Haygood, um, who is famously known for scoring the game-winning touchdown against Notre Dame. He played for Michigan State, and uh, he played under Nick Saban at Michigan State. Wow. And – yeah, he brought me in. I was his offensive line coach for the for the inaugural season at Madonna University. It was their first time having a football team. Then I got the call to move down to Northeastern State in Oklahoma. Um, I coached under J.J. Eckert, who, um, who is the son of Tom Eckert, who is the winningest coach or, or one of the most winningest coaches at um, Northeastern State. So, just a, a lot of names, big names, and being around those guys and learning so much. And then I got the call to, to move to Cincinnati, and, and I had to take it, and they understood that. And um, it was it was a, a tough decision to make, given that I, I'm an alumni, and um, I've played, I played, I played against Cincinnati a good amount of times, but it's been nothing but, but good-natured fun to talk about the old stories, especially with the players, because as a young coach, I played against a lot of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, that must be fun in itself there, too. I mean, you, you know, before we got on the air here, um, you did a little uh, coach's basketball game. Uh, how heated did that get? Oh, man, it's a lot of fun to be able to play with guys who are competitive, just as competitive as you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got pretty heated, not going to lie to you. It was, uh, it was all it was all fun-natured uh, competition, though, and then sure. – uh, just competing against each other and, and having a lot of fun doing it while burning some calories, you know, because I, I am no longer the 320-pound offensive lineman I, I used to be. So I'm um, 
I definitely don't want to ever get that big again. So whenever I can have the opportunity to burn some calories, I, I definitely take advantage of it. Yeah, you know, and spending all that time being a vegan offensive lineman, um, for those that didn't know, like now are, are you still, first of all, are you still vegan? And how much is that helping you keep all that weight off? Unfortunately, I am no longer vegan. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not going to make excuses. I hate to sound like someone who makes excuses. But when I moved to Oklahoma, it was just not a whole lot of vegan options out there. I can imagine. And, um, I, had, I had to do what I had to do. But um, nowadays, I, as a graduate assistant, um, meals are included. So <laughs> what I vow to always do is to not contribute to the meat industry anymore. So with my personal money, I don't go and purchase um, just meat and, and meat products and stuff like that. However, if they have it available available for me at the dining hall or, or any other um, availability they have with meals, I take advantage of having a free meal and and consuming meat products. I mean, hey, any any young professional would thoroughly understand uh, your plight in that instance, man, no doubt. You know, you know, JJ, you you mentioned earlier being the uh, a former player, of course, obviously, and and and, and getting that competitive blood flowing and things like that no during your coaching journey here i i have to assume you've at least kept one eye on the tv every now and again when it comes to your uh your uh, uh your uh other alumni and other guys that used to play in the past you you've been watching the current team some i have to assume so the first question gate out of the gate i have to ask is um what do you think about uh what uh gus malzahn's been doing uh, at ucf and uh uh, or, or even Terry Mahajer as well, the new director. Or and um, how cool is it that UCF is this close to joining the Big Twelve along with Cincinnati? Hey man, I'm excited. I'm excited for for both situations, for both um, for both programs. Um, I'm still the the biggest advocate for UCF being the national champ. So <laughs> I would definitely always um, just show love to that. And whenever the guys here try to talk about UCF, I'm always coming to UCF's defense, of course. But um, at the end of the day, I coach for the Bearcats now, and I and I let them know that. So yes, um, yesterday in the meeting, one of the players he was he was talking to me about um, how they beat UCF now, and I'm like, what is what does that have to do with me? When I was at UCF, we uh, we did what we had to do against Cincinnati, and um, he was like, ah, blah blah blah, you know, he just you know. So, from that and that, and then um, he, he was like, he said something else, and I was like, why are we even talking about this? I coach for the Bearcats now, you know? Oh, so nice. Like, <laughs> so just gotta let them know what's up, but also help them understand that we're all on the same team now. We got we got missions to accomplish. Well, I mean, if if he ever does take it to that place again, JJ, I got you back with this. Make sure you remind him that. Uh, Former Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter to this day remembers the evening that you played him when game day was in town. And I believe he's on record saying that it was the loudest environment that he played in. So whatever that's worth, I mean, you can remind him what the score of that game is or isn't or was or wasn't if you need to. But I just I just thought that that that, that could be something you have in your pocket, right? Yeah, man, for sure. But, you know, it's all love. I definitely try to – I'm a competitive <laughs> person by nature. If somebody's talking about my alma mater, I got to come to defense. Like, that's like my initial reaction. And then I try to clean it up at the end. Like, yeah, 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 we're on the same Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned your competitive spirit, and, and, and it gets it gets lured out, and then you're like, well, but you see, you know, that, that was then. I'm here now. I get it. Exactly. Exactly. Now I'm a – 
I posted a picture on my social media accounts with um with the Cincinnati logo on, and <laughs> I got a lot of um, feedback from the UCF fans. All of it good nature, all of it um positive. But also, they're like, all right, we're going to see you October 29th. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least they got – listen, they got it marked on the calendar, man. And, and listen, from my perspective, I sent you – it's been a number of months since I sent you this, but I sent a picture of you on senior night before the game, and you're throwing the ball into the crowd and, and perhaps the widest smile on your face. And I'm, I'm, I'm there experiencing that at the bounce house. You got your UCF colors. So I, I have to say, it was different – seeing you stand next to the uh, the Bearcat logo. But by that being said, I would rad- much rather have that smile there than you not being enjoying yourself in this new environment and opportunity. I'm sure that's going to be awesome. Um, but I know it's going to come up. You've already mentioned October 29th. I know it's way early, but I have to ask, what do you anticipate you'll be feeling on the sideline coaching against uh, your former team? I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Um I, there's a couple of my guys that are still on the team there, so it'll be a good opportunity to see them. To see them. Hopefully, we get a picture after the game. And um, I, I understand that this is a situation that we're we're brought up against. But all of my former teammates, they've all been so happy for me and just excited for the opportunity that's placed in front of me. And um, and I'm just I'm just happy. I'm excited to be here. Like going going the the NAI route and then the the D2 route has helped me appreciate things more. You know, if I would have came straight from UCF to Cincinnati, I would have just felt like that this is what college football is supposed to be like. But not no offense to the lower levels, but it, it, they just don't have the same amount of resources and the same amount of support staff and the same amount of everything available that the Division One level has. So now that I'm here, I'm like, I'm the guy that's running around that's happy to be here. This is great and I'm excited, you know. And that's the kind of spirit and energy that is contagious and the, the other guys feel that way too because of me you know it's very interesting what you describe as as your your coach evolution coaching evolution here so to speak isn't too far off from UCF being a G5 once and then evolving I mean there were a number of conferences they were in in the G5 before they were even in the American obviously you know and now they're getting into that big jump to 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 be that major program much like you're getting, you know, getting in there to coach at a major program in the Big 12, you know, just like uh, UCF's playing. And I, I can't help but notice a little bit of the parallel there going on um, as far as that. So, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, I like that you're showing the humility there, too. Uh, and, and I'll put it this way. Is that something that you think you'll be able to use to communicate and coach with players better? Oh, yeah, for sure. I am. Um... I remember talking to Coop. We call him Coop, Jeremy Cooper, our left guard. And I was in the I was in the dining hall with him, and I was like, "Hey, bro, <laughs> enjoy this. You better make sure you appreciate this, man, because it's not like this everywhere, you know." And I was like, "Y'all got something special here, man." And um, you know, just appreciate it and and take it all in stride, because you know, one day it's gonna be a day where you gotta hang up the cleats. I'm not saying it's coming anytime soon, but. Just take it all in, man, and, and enjoy where you are right now. Be where your feet are and get the most out of your opportunities. I, um, as, a, as a college football player or at least a former one who wishes that he went a little bit harder, I'm like, bro, you got the capability to go harder right now. You know, you don't have to look back at your career and wish you went harder. You can just go harder right now. So go do it. 
You know, and I love hearing that advice and all that. That's a good perspective. I mean, you kind of remind me kind of the whole Shaquille. When you said that, first of all, I wouldn't have known it to look at you that 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 you didn't feel like you were given a hundred percent. But I mean, you were still amazing in that right, obviously. Uh, but I'm forced to ask with with you giving how much more more important is that advice that you're giving, um, Coop? There the. Um, in the era of the transfer portal being what it is and NIL being a factor with guys moving around and things like that. Like how much more weight does that advice you just told me hold in this new environment? I mean, I'm sure that me telling him that helps him understand that like, and not just him, just anybody I come in contact with. Right. Right. um, Helps them understand that like, it's not like it's everywhere. (laughs) You know, y'all have a really good thing, a really special thing here. And take advantage of it. I think a lot of guys go into the portal and then they get somewhere and realize that they didn't, they didn't realize how good they had it until it's gone, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's amazing to see when guys are giving their all and going hard because that means that they, they understand and they appreciate it. And they're, they're trying to take advantage of all the resources that they have in front of them. Yeah, you know, that message of appreciation is something we heard about a lot, you know, with COVID being on. I mean, you mentioned to me your pro day being canceled due to protocols and things like that. And, and, and you know, the the year after you were there, you know, um, Coach Heupel often said it's about, you know, the opportunity to play that that's pushing and things like that. And, and hearing you add that perspective uh, for for a minute there, I'll, I'll confess, I thought sometimes when I'm hearing that, it's kind of a coach speak or just kind of the message, but it's good to hear a player slash coach as yourself kind of add that perspective. It adds a little bit more weight and, um, uh, what's his word, gravity to it. Like, it, it, it felt like that was more genuine when I heard it. Um, so, yeah, um, let me take you to this. Uh, just overall with, um, with, with NIL – and 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 the transfer portal being around now, um, obviously those weren't things in the same way that they were back when you were a player. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of changes, you know, to the college landscape because uh, because of that. In your mind, what's some of the bigger things that you think will uh, either enhance or challenge what you're doing as a coach? Um, first and foremost, I just want to say that I'm jealous. I'm jealous of these guys. I went to college at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, like I would have been a millionaire given the not, and this isn't to toot my own horn, but I'm just willing to interact with people, you know. That's so true. the the more willing you are to interact with people, they they like you more, you know. <laughs> and I would have had more opportunities just given the fact that I'm willing to put myself out there. Well, and that I mean, and, look at your stick as a vegan offensive lineman. That that would have been unique. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. There's no there's no telling who would have decided to sponsor me given the brand that that I built for myself and that the the UCF Twitter mafia helped me build and yeah. you know but um I think that as a coach with this new NLI situation and the transfer portal it's it's almost like NFL free agency now yeah. you know it's it's like who can who can offer me the most money as a recruit and I wish that it wasn't that way because you want to go somewhere that because at the end of the day, when you graduate, like, you are going to always be remembered by the school that you went to. And you don't want to just go to the school because they offered you the most money. You know, like, coaching changes happen all the time. Mm-hmm. And 
my older brother, he went to college to play college football before me. So he helped me understand that when I was a recruit, don't go to a college because of the coaches. Because, quite frankly, the coaches might not be there the whole time that you're there. So go to the school for the school because that's what's going to be on your diploma when you graduate. And that's going to, what you're always going to hold true to. That's going to always be a part of your identity. So it's kind of it's, – it's disheartening a little bit to know that guys are – choosing schools based on how much money they're getting offered basically because that's what it is but like i also can't blame the players either because like yeah <laughs> you know they they want more money that's like a and and i don't like it when people like frown upon people wanting more money like it's okay to want financial stability <laughs> that is completely okay and a lot of people say that you shouldn't work a job just for the money and stuff like that. And you really shouldn't. You should definitely do something that you're passionate about, but you should also do something that's passionate that you're passionate about and it brings in a lot of money, you know? I mean, if he could have both, how on earth do you say no? Exactly. <laughs> no, man, I, I listen, I follow that a hundred percent, man. So um so I have to ask, you know, you're you're officially in Cincinnati now. You're in with the coaches doing certain things. Um, have, have you had a chance to talk to Coach Fickle yet? And when you first did, what was that experience like? Coach Fickle is such a personable guy, and he he um he's very charismatic, and like he reminds me of Coach Frost a lot. And because he's just like he has the swag, like he has like the the it factor about him to where you you kind of want to do what he says because like, you know, that he, he has the right plan, you know, he's just, he's that guy. Like he's like that guy. And he, um, he works out every morning. He, he, he used to be a D lineman, but you can never tell cause he's, his stature is just such a, like he commands respect and not by the things that he says, just like who he is, you know? And I remember this morning I, I get to the treadmill it's probably 6.30 in the morning. He's already in there on the treadmill. And I call myself competing with him. I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on here longer than he does. Man, it didn't go well, I'll tell you that. Oh, no. But he was, on, he was on there before I got before I got there, so there's no telling how long he was there. And I got up before he did. So um, on the way to the team meeting this morning, I, I was walking behind him, and I said, um, you, you don't know this, but I was silently – um, competing against you on the treadmill today. <laughs> and he was like, I can't even remember what he said, but I was like, hey, man, I'm going to continue to compete against you silently, so watch your back, you know? <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a good time. And I, I'm excited to just be a part of this program because um, just learning from these guys is going to help me a lot. Yeah, Jordan Johnson here talking uh, with, with us on the uh, Black and Gold Banner podcast. L- listen, man, I-, I have to ask this. Well, first of all, real quick to the treadmill story. Like, did he say anything that might imply that because you were there, he stayed on longer? No, he didn't. I don't even think he noticed me, quite frankly. Oh, but, uh, no, that makes it worse. <laughs> that does make it worse. That does make it worse now that I think about it. But um, it's all right because I'm about to continue to burn these calories, and I'm coming for them. <laughs> okay. Do you, you got a target? Do you got a target you're trying to get to? So when I immediately stopped playing, I got down to 240 pounds. Wow. And I didn't appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I was I was 240. I was looking good, and I didn't appreciate it at all. So this time, I I got back up to 280 when I by the time I moved to Oklahoma, I gained. Mm. 
20 pounds in um, Michigan and, and another, well, I gained 40 pounds in Michigan and then another 40 pounds or something like that. It was crazy. I got back up to, I got back up to 280 and I was like, yeah, this isn't, uh, this ain't it. You know, <laughs> I, I was like, I got to do something about this. So I started working out again. I started eating more healthily and I, I can see the fruits of my labor and it's, it's great, but I'm not done yet. I, I'm, I'm about probably 260 right now so i've lost 20 pounds since i got up to 280 mm. but i'm trying to get back down to 240 again and actually appreciate it this time Ooh, 240 i haven't been 240 since high school bro dang <laughs> anyways so um you know it's 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 cool talking about you doing the whole plan and 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 what you're doing coaching is is a cool story but you and i were talking before we got on the air um that there's a little something else you might be working. Uh, well, you're working on a lot of things. Like we talked about you uh, being a, a motivational speaker and trying to get that going on, on uh, YouTube and, and all that sort of thing. And, and there was something about a book you were thinking about writing or something that you're trying to make happen. Yeah, man, I got some big plans and big plans for the future. Um, I'm truly excited. Honestly, I'm, I'm the most motivated right now that I've ever been in my life. And I wish I was just more motivated when I was a college football player. I'm not a fan of the NFL, you know, but I, uh, I'm just, I'm driven right now. I'm excited for the future. And I, um, I've started this motivational speaking journey to where I'm, I'm just using my platform as a coach because as a coach, you're naturally a motivational speaker. So it's an easy transition. And I'm doing things with one kid, Orlando, on um, the nonprofit organization that I have with, with Anthony Roberson. We, um, we were planning a food drive, and I, unfortunately, I had to postpone it because I moved to Cincinnati, and I was I didn't expect to get the call from Cincinnati, which is out of the blue. So, I had to postpone the food drive that we were planning, but it's coming soon. And then, um, on my drive up here, I stopped in um, I stopped in Indianapolis with my aunt, and my aunt had a book in her in her little her little library at her house. And the book was The Little Engine That Could. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I read that book for the, for the first time in I don't know how long. So it truly inspired me to want to, want to write my own children's book. And the first thing I thought of was the 2017 season and how magical it was, mm -hmm. you know. And I was like, this would be the perfect children's book. It'll, it could be similar to the, to the Little Engine That Could. It could be the, the little team that could or the little nights that could or something like that, you know? So I was just inspired once I read the book and I, I'm excited for the future. I'm motivated. I, I look forward to hopefully someone helping me write a book. And quite frankly, I've never written a book before, so I don't know. I don't even know where to begin, but I want the book to be something along the lines to commemorate the 2017 season, as well as help us understand how truly magical it was something that will forever be, Forged in gold, you know. Forged in black and gold, according to the UCF fan fanhood for sure. And I, I think they might add this, JJ. When it comes to to the whole little engine that could theme, one would argue that that cargo that that very train might have been carrying could have been Cincinnati, as they had the opportunity to make it to the CFP uh, play um, the, the the final four playoffs there. So I, I can see the tie in there. I, I I like what's going on. I do not that not not that I have any con creative control, but a you know a little free tidbit you might want to work in there for the fans, eh? Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, 
hey, the process of writing this book is is going to be a long road, and I appreciate you saying that. You might have just helped me out a little bit. I'm listen. I look for no credit. Uh, just just put somebody something about the student of the game somewhere. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so uh listen uh jj before we let you go um fantastic having you on by the way this was absolutely awesome and don't be shocked if at some point i'm absolutely begging for an opportunity to do it again with you here this was great man um but um go ahead and tell all the good people uh where you where you can be found where you want to be found and anything else anything else uh we may need to know before you go man so, guys, I want you guys to first and foremost follow me on my social media platform. Um, currently, it is at Third Johnson Boy, um, 3RD, my last name Johnson, B-O-Y. And that's um, Twitter and Instagram. Um, my, currently, my YouTube channel is Coach J. You can, you can type in Jordan Johnson Motivational Speaking, and it'll come right up. Um, subscribe to that because I'm working with Ember Productions. Amber and Maxwell have been so helpful for me, and I'm looking forward to working with them in the future. All of the videos that i posted thus far have been on my own, and I've edited them all myself. And even the first one that's on the YouTube channel right now, I put on there raw and uncut because it is not edited. It is not anything. I just recorded it and posted it. And I'm looking forward to actually working with a production team that's going to help me take my YouTube videos to the next level and take my motivational speaking to the next level because I got some things that I want to share with some people and I, I know that it can help them and I've been helped by so many good people and I'm just relaying information and, and I'm excited. So follow me on my social media platforms. Um, continue to support the YouTube channel. Look out for the One Kid Orlando food drive coming soon. And um, as always, go Knights and charge your own, baby. <laughs> Look at that. We officially got a Cincinnati Bearcat coach to say that. On record, let that be clear. No, I'm just kidding, man. Listen, uh, best of luck to you, man. I, I love the path you're taking. Obviously, we're all still going to follow you and wish you the best of luck on a certain, except for a certain day in late late October. We'll we'll let that slide. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, man, JJ, great having you on. Uh, looking forward to the next one, and I appreciate you, appreciate you coming on, man. Of course, I'm Kyle Nash, the student of the game with the black and gold banner. At find me on Twitter at the SOTG. But until next time, everyone. Class dismissed. Wow. Special thanks to uh, JJ for joining us. And uh, thanks to you, Kyle, for getting that all set up and knocked out. And uh, it's always good to hear from, from JJ. And, um, you know, I, I guess we're after talking to him, like what was your sense of like the direction that he's headed and, and where do you want him to, where do you want his career to progress? I mean, in my mind, I would want him at the very least his next gig to be, you know, taking over, running an offensive line of his own, being the top offensive line coach. And, and this is the kind of guy that can be a leader of, man, of men. I would play for this guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was he was so beloved by his teammates. The coaches absolutely loved him. Um, you know, it's, it, it's he strikes me as the perfect kind of guy to be like the tw- like a 21st century coach where he does, you know, the 20th, a 20th century coach, I think of like George O'Leary, right. Is very authoritarian, you know, and with all the good and bad that comes with that. Okay? Right. Where JJ is more of like, you know, he's, it's almost like coach isn't the right word. It's almost like he's a mentor. Correct. I mean, listen, and it's appropriate that the guy is trying to start up his own motivational speaking YouTube channel. We talk about that a little bit already, obviously, but like, 
if if that isn't part of what is will be his hallmark as a coach as he progresses up through the rankings, I mean, I don't know what is, but hey, who knows? Maybe at some point too, he comes back to the state and uh, does business here in the future. That's what I'm hoping. Hey, who knows? And I, I what wherever JJ ends up, you know, as wherever his career takes him, he's they're gonna whoever he's with is gonna be lucky to have him, and there's no doubt about it. So best of luck to JJ. Um, it's going to be really hard seeing him on the Cincinnati sideline. I will say that. And I think he gets that. He says it will be hard for him too. <laughs> a job, a job's, listen, the job's a job, man. You gotta, we saw Kevin Smith on the FAU sideline a couple of times. I mean, it's as, as odd as that is, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's, I love seeing more of the UCF diaspora out there. Diaspora. In, That's a word, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, in the uh, in, in in the coaching circles. So that because that means that means people really do believe in in, you know, are buying what UCF is selling quite, quite, uh, quite honestly. All right. Kyle Nash, student of the game, the SOTG on Twitter class is officially dismissed for you. You may. Get, but we will be following you all throughout tomorrow. You've you've been doing the recaps for the women. Yes. Uh, you and I'll be splitting duties tomorrow. Uh, between the for the men and the women as we have that doubleheader tomorrow. Thanks again for everything you've been doing. And uh, follow that's the, Thursday follow- for those of you, by the way, they're listening on Thursday. Yeah, that's right. Since we are recording this late Wednesday night. So the SOTG on Twitter. Uh, thanks again, Kyle. Honor, joy, and privilege as always, gentlemen. But until next time, class dismissed. Stick around. We return on the Black and Gold Banner at Podcast. Eric and I will break things down in softball and baseball with Bryson Turner. We'll be right back. This is the Black and Gold Banner at Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banner at Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you, joined by Bryson Turner as we, uh, late on this uh, Wednesday night, as we prepare for another big weekend of UCF sports. Hopefully it will go, well, I mean, we talked about how big a weekend it would be. Hopefully we have, you know, a little bit more hoops to talk about like we just did with, uh, Kyle Nash, but uh, Bryson here is going to be uh, is going to be following things on the baseball side of things as he was earlier tonight with uh, UCF getting an 18 to four victory over Florida A&M. That's on the heels of uh, beating. They beat Bethune Cookman six to two uh, in Daytona yesterday, Jackie Robinson ballpark. Um, and UCF got uh, uh, or, or got one out of three at, against number two Ole Miss, including that uh one to nothing game um, on uh, Saturday. Uh, Connor, St- let's start there. Actually, Bryson Connor Stain was fantastic in that game. He actually won uh, uh, or got some national recognition um, this week for his performance. But uh, man, he's really been something. You see, I've got the win on a walk off single by Riley Wash in the twelfth inning, one to nothing in twelve innings. But um, it was the uh, it was the Connor Stain show that uh, gave up just two hits, struck out ten, walked only one over seven innings. And then Chase Santala came in and threw uh, five innings of one hit ball, um, 16 total strikeouts for the two of them across the 12 innings. And UCF got the win, you know, even though the uh, uh, Saturday didn't work out or, or rather Sunday didn't work out the way UCF wanted. It's still a nice little feather in your cap as they um, did take one from the number two team in the country. Oh yes, I agree. I mean, I was going to mention, you said it was the Connor Stain show and I'm like, Hey, don't count out Chase Santala because he did very, he did very good as well. But no, yes, Saturday was an absolutely great baseball game to watch, tense the whole way through. Uh, But I will say, 
uh, Lovelady, one thing that really stood out to me of what Lovelady said the previous day was that Ole Miss really only had one big hit more than UCF did. UCF was one big hit away from winning this series. When you go back to Friday and you see that oh, out that UCF actually had the actually had the bases loaded in the eighth inning. And they managed to score one run with Alex Freeland to make it, make it a one-run deficit, which would be the eight to seven. And they just couldn't really capitalize it at the end. They came up just short. So honestly, I combine that with the record-setting attendance. They um, this this series broke the series rec- uh, record for John Juliano Park for for both weekend and in general. I mean, I would say overall, this was a very successful series for UCF baseball, even though Sunday definitely left much to be desired. But I mean, Connor's, uh, but I think the biggest thing is, is that Connor Stain is the, is, has been the real deal. He was under the weather last week and he still actually pitched really well. So the fact that he's healthier now and did what he did, absolutely great. I am, I think that, that the, the series can definitely give a vote of confidence towards this team. So two uh, midweek wins later, UCF scored 18 runs uh, against uh, 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 Florida A&M today, uh, I should say today on Wednesday night. Um, That vaults them toward this three game series at home with, uh, or or rather two games, I should say, with uh, North Florida on Friday and Saturday at home before they go to Jacksonville on Sunday for the third game of the series, sort of an unusual two and then one sort of home and home thing over a weekend. But uh, uh, what do we know about uh, North Florida coming in uh, to this? I mean, looking at the A-Sun standings right now, they're off to a pretty rough start at uh, four and 10. Um, But what is this? uh, What do you expect to see this weekend as UCF takes on UNF in these two games at home followed by the one on the road? Well, for well, North Florida. This is actually the second time that the Knights are going to be seeing North Florida this season. They had a they. The reason why they're going to Jacksonville, I think, is to have it be a two and two because UCF yeah, that's correct. went UCF went to Jacksonville earlier this earlier on February twenty second and won it three to two. It was a very close game. So um, now, granted, it was a midweek game, so a little bit different in terms of uh, pitching. But I would definitely keep an eye out for Jeffrey Pena. He, um, Jeffrey Pena did very well, went two for four with two run, two of the runs in that game. So I definitely would keep an eye out for him. I would also keep an eye out for Chase Santala because um, he pitched in that ga- game. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he came in in relief, possibly, because obviously we have the weekend. So they'll have the weekend starters. And as far as tonight, and then as far as tonight with Florida A&M goes, uh, this is just another one of those games like with Siena where everybody really got to have a chance. I mean, what really got me was the fact that one, Alex Freeland got a, got a home run. He had a very good showing tonight. Two, Cole Russo came off the bench and hit th- and, and managed to get two, went two for two with three RBIs off the bench. I mean, th- that was just, I thought that was qu- quite amazing. And then Lex Bodeker, also had a good night going three for four with two RBIs as well. So I think what last night I think showed, showed us is that this, these, this incoming class, like this, in, these newcomers to this team have really improved them. I think even that goes back to Ole Miss with Connor Stain and Chase Santala. Like we, we talked about how the starting pitching 
was kind of a weak point of this team last season and the pitch and the bullpen was the strong point, but not only have they reloaded at the bullpen, despite an injury to Zach Bennett, but they've also reloaded the starting rotation with moving David Litchfield there and putting Connor Stain there and combine that with some of these new fielders. I, I'm very, um, I think that this team has really improved itself over what we saw last season. And I think this whole week of games with number two Ole Miss and these two midweek games where a lot of people got to see some action prove that. Starting to see some real similarities in the pitching staff to that ill-fated uh, 2020 team that got off to that really good start and the, and the pitching staff was just on point. Right now, uh, UCF uh, has three guys who've pitched, who've shown up, with elite, who've had at least one appearance who haven't given up a run. Connor Stain right now is uh, in three appearances, all three starts, 15 and two-thirds innings, he's given up no runs, three hits, or no earned runs, three hits, two two runs total, walked eight, struck out 20. And opponents are hitting 061 against him as a oh my starter. Gosh. That's I have really a, impressive. I have and, a little story about that. On Sunday, I was on Sunday while I was watching the game, I was kind of working on my phone, like keeping an eye on the stats and everything. And this guy comes up behind me and asked about Connor Stain. This guy was a scout. And he was asking me about Connor Stain and where I could find what, what his fastball speed was. And I pointed him to the UCF baseball analytics account. I just wait, thought, wait, wait, wait. The scout is asking you like, wait, he can't figure this out. Like he's, he's asking, how did he run into you? Like, how does that work? Like, how did he run into you? And like, figured you had all the answers to that. Bryson well, looks important. I, I had a computer. I had a laptop probably oh, is what it yeah. was. That's true. I had a laptop. Right. And right. It was on Sunday. So Stain wasn't pitching then. So I, he, so, but no, I just thought that was really cool. And I think it shows you just how, how the talent that Connor Stain has because scouts are paying attention. Well, in the arms, right? The talented arms. I mean, we haven't even talked to Hunter Patterson. who didn't have his best day on Sunday. He's going to be a guy that's also the scouts are looking at. And that's the thing that's exciting, right? Is they got these quality arms. They're a swing away from winning that old Miss series. Great crowds so far this year. The Sienna crowd opening weekend was great. If they can continue that, marketing's done a great job over there. Citronauts, I know Citronaut Jeff, you're Saturdays all about have been a huge. I know, listen, Eric, I know how you feel about the Citronaut thing. Citronaut Saturdays is a hit. Hey, man, merchandise, bring in the dollars. If almost people spend money, I, they, they come on, Nike. One, send, other, send one other little, uh, one other, one other Just little thing hat. I wanted to point out. Uh, Alex, you, you gave some props, Bryson, to Alex Freeland. He's on an eight game hitting streak right now. And has raised his average. He was really struggling to start out, but he's he's a he's knocking on the door three hundred at this point. So uh, it's good to see how he. Well, has, but he was uh, going to hit always. I mean, right now in my brain, uh, there's a Brian Murphy's voice is yelling at us saying, "Guys, baseball's a small sample. Do not overreact to early trends." Uh, and I think that applies to Alex Freeland. So anybody that was worried about him off to a slow the, start. It's not you know. easy to hit in eight straight games at any level. I, mean, I know I, it's not easy to get rid of Brian Murphy's voice out of my head either, but that's, you know, it's all story. so, uh, so that's the situation for UCF baseball right now with, uh, with the series against, well, here's uh, the big North thing, Florida coming. if they yeah, could take care of North Florida, you know, let's say win two out of three sweep would be ideal Wednesday night, a week, Miami comes to town, big midweek, right there. Here. big yep. midweek there. That'll be a juices there. Wait, is and, Miami and, ranked Eric? Well, they just got, I think they just lost to Florida. So, uh, but it's Miami. Obviously, I, I think they were ranked. We'll see if you have to look up if they're ranked. 
But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, Bryson, you've like been to the park. Different rankings. There's a million in baseball. Bryson, speak to the crowds, though, because I think the crowds can make a difference, right? You talk to Coach Lovely, and the crowds do make a difference for these players. And I sense a buzz here with baseball. And maybe, I don't know if it has to do with the MLB lockout and people just want to starving for baseball. I think part of it is marketing. I got to give them credit. Citroen, I mean, they've done a great job promoting this. I think there's a thirst here, the passion for this baseball program. And I think if this team... You know they'll rally around this crowd support. They can become a big. I win a lot of home games here. What you've been to the park? What's it been like? Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. I I think that the Ole Miss crowds especially were electric. I for uh, I think that uh, there was a lot of great audience participation with that. And uh, I think what's really cool what's really cool is that tonight at the Florida A and M game, while the crowd wasn't as wasn't especially large because you know it's a midweek game it's Florida A&M it was about just under a thousand people but a good portion of that thousand was actually a was actually a Canadian uh youth team called the Ontario Royals I'm telling you what I saw a whole bunch of those guys at the um like at the, walking around the field and I could have sworn they probably made up maybe like 10 20 percent of the audience, but um, I th- they they told I got to talk to a couple of them, and they said that they were going to come down to watch spring training. But of course, with the MLB lockout, that didn't wow. happen. So now here they are. They ended up coming here. So I think that um, so even with a uh, Florida A and M, like honestly, four Florida A and M, four of midweek against a Florida A and M type team, I think it was a so- a solid crowd. Yeah. A so- by the way, we talked about Miami. They just dropped out of the D1 baseball top 25. Just dropped out of it. Because of the so, Florida series. They got they got beaten yeah. up by Florida a little bit there. So, But they're right there knocking on the door. Chance, and if UCF can actually turn some heads with a W, um, you know, right now you're looking at, uh, well, the Knights are 10-3. and three. You sweep UNF as you're probably supposed to do because UNF was picked sixth preseason. At least win two out of three. At least win two out of three. Win two out of three, you're at 12 and four. You get a win over Miami, you're 13 and four. You know, so uh and then just better uh, mojo overall remember a year ago jeff how this from the opening day it's just like and just it just seemed like this team couldn't catch a break at all it's such a it just has a different vibe so far yeah and well i'm liking this vibe so far so uh pay attention to that and we'll be and bryson will be paying attention to that as we move into the weekend speaking of the weekend eric lopez your ucf softball team is a long way from home. They are out on the West Coast for that big road trip that you've been uh, that you've been uh, touting. Uh, so far, it's gotten off to a pretty good start. They were in Stockton on Tuesday and uh, run ruled uh, Coach Bears' uh, alma mater, the uh, Pacific Tigers, eight to nothing in five. Uh, they're at Fresno, and as of this very moment, Eric Lopez, as we're recording this at 11.03 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday night, March the 9th, what's the latest update right now? Well, they're up 7-2, to two, bottom of the six, one out. Uh, we thought we could get the final in here. Jeff will have to do some magical editing and let us know the final result on this one, but uh, it's the second game or of the we'll West. Just, or we can just stall in this segment. Until well, the game is, you know, over. I mean, we're up well, five runs. I mean, bottom of the six. It's all the days. This thing, Gianna Mancha's throwing tonight, and she's having it. She's having a, she's having a nice game. Searcy has got the three hits in the game. Cody's doing. Let's talk about Jada Cody. Just two yeah, we need to talk about game. Jada Cody a little bit here because she had what you termed 
maybe the best single weekend a UCF softball player has ever had. And, and, now, and now that raises my eyebrows because I remember when Stephanie Best knocked in about a million runs in one game against Army um, in, the, in the game where she hit two grand slams in, in one inning. Um, but you're saying this may have been the best weekend for a UCF softball player ever. You look at what Cody did, four home runs, drove in 14 runs, scored five runs herself. Put in perspective, UCF scored 37 runs over the weekend in five games. Jada Cody was involved in 51% of those runs scored. Uh, Either scoring them or driving them in. Correct, which is an insane number. Uh, And not only that, she was doing all this while she was starting at second base. She started at third base and she started a catcher. Um, The only thing she didn't do is jump in the booth and join me for a couple innings to be an analyst, everything else she covered. So uh, she was unbelievable. She hit the big three run homer against South Carolina that turned the game around on Saturday when they beat the Gamecocks, which was big. Uh, And she just destroyed uh, Florida Gulf Coast in that sweep. She's the fastest UCF player ever to 30 RBIs in a season. Think about that, Jeffrey. 30 are Stephanie Best. By 15 games, she surpassed Stephanie Best. That's insane. Um, Who was the fastest? Was it Steph? Yeah, it was Steph. When in doubt, folks, any offensive UCF softball record, just guess Stephanie Best. I thought maybe somebody, like, maybe somebody had, like, a really hot start. Like, maybe Bree Javier or somebody had, like, a really hot start to a season. No, no, Steph Steph had it, but no longer because of Cody in this monster week. And she's obviously pushing. I mean, she's number two in the country right now and runs batted in. Uh, And that's not including the two ribbies she's got against Fresno. Uh, so, I mean, she's been fantastic. She was the story. She willed that team. Uh, they, they, she really set the tone there and that was important to go four and one, you know, you would have liked to have gone five and oh, but you still get a split of South Carolina. So you get another sec win. SEC school. That's, that's I'll take that. That's three wins for them against an sec teams that are likely to be tournament teams. You're talking obviously South Carolina, old miss and Georgia. Uh, so that's quality to add to the Texas win. So they're building a good resume. Uh, their RPI, believe it or not, RPIs are already out. Uh, they were 19 on Monday, first RPI that's out. It's very early, uh, but 19, that's a good start. And now they go on this West Coast trip. They beat Pacific, who you mentioned, which was kind of like the Brady versus Belichick of softball here. Sydney had not returned to Pacific in over a decade since they retired her number. She's facing her mentor, Brian Cozy. They uh, did all these ceremony there. They honored her before the game, and then UCF just smacked them around, eight to nothing. Uh, <laughs> um, so that was good. That was emotional. Obviously, they're taking hopefully take care of Fresno as we talk. Then they go to Longwood, uh, Long Beach, Florida, Long Beach State, and Fullerton for a tournament where they're going to play Boston, which is an NCAA tournament team. They're going to play uh, Long Beach State, which was an NCAA tournament team. They're going to play Nebraska in the Scott Frost Bowl uh, there. Uh, and Iowa State, which is an NCAA tournament team, and Fullerton, who has been a perennial NCAA tournament team. So a tough five-game stretch there in this weekend. People have asked me if they could go four and three, five and two on this West Coast trip. I think it's a big success. Uh, and then when they come back, by the way, next Tuesday night, they got Ohio State, who might be ranked in the top 25 by the time they get to Florida. So, I was going to say that that uh, Ohio State game coming on the back end. And and assuming now they've gone to the top of the seventh, it's still seven to two UCF. I mean, you get those t- these two against Pacific and Fresno, yeah, in the bag before the tournament. I think that's big. It's a great start to the trip. Good bonding, good chemistry. Feel makes you feel comfortable, makes you feel loose uh, there. So if they could get this sweep here. 
of these two start in this road trip is big. And this is a, you know, again, this is a young team too. And they're, they're you know, they're flying. I got to say, Kemal Woodall has been fantastic as a reliever and a starter. She's a weapon. She's one of those, Jeff, and I don't know, you could come up with a baseball version of this. It's that pitcher that can just throw every day in whatever role you want as a starter or a closer. Like, I remember, remember the Wayne Graham teams of Rice when they had Cole St. Clair, who was their closer, but he could also start. And I feel like Kemal Woodall is that for UCF. She I like John Smoltz. Ooh, Smoltzy. That's a good one. Johnny Smoltz. Uh, same thing. Kamal Woodall has been a valuable addition to this staff because of her versatility. She could start. She can reclose every game. She has a rubber arm, uh, and that's been huge for this team to help out Gianna Mancha and help out the young staff like Grace Jewell and, and Caitlin Felton and helps them develop slowly, not force them into the fire. So I want to give a shout-out to Woodall, who pitched a, a gem against Pacific and picked up a couple of re- wins in relief. Uh, in that tournament last weekend, including that South Carolina win. So, uh, so far, so good. Cody's a beast. And we haven't even discussed Shannon Doherty because people are afraid to pitch to her. <laughs> they don't you blame him? Every time <laughs> she every time she hits the ball, she hits, she, she wins a game. And, <laughs> she, and she goes into uh, social media, breaks social media. <laughs> Going into the Fresno game, she has a 353 batting average on the season so far with 51 at-bats. I mean – I mean, you got you talk about this pitching, but this offense as is honestly really good. When you have Denali Shopacker hitting 281, and she is not, and she is, and she, there's still players hitting higher averages than her. That's how you know this offense is really, really good. Agreed. And they got there. That's the thing they're starting to balance out now. You know what you're going to get from Cody and Doherty. Janisha Rowe had a good weekend as the leadoff hitter. Searcy's starting to come on. Remember, she hurt her ACL last year at East Carolina. Really, UCF was never the same. If if Kennedy Searcy would have stayed healthy last year, I think they win the Tallahassee Regional. Uh, that's how important she was to that team last year. So now she's coming back healthy. You got young players like Savannah Adams. Maddie Bejarano has stepped up to hit with power. And Savannah Adams, I love her swing. And again, it's a young team. Half this team is very young. Uh, but this is a good start for them. And, you know, it's important. Conference play starts in a few weeks. South Florida looks really good with Georgina Corrick. So, you know, we'll talk about that down the road. But uh, it's been positive, man. And again, you know, we spoke about the crowds at baseball. Softball's gotten great crowds too. They've had uh, on pace to have great attendance all year long, as far as record attendance. And it's really been awesome, guys, to see both baseball and softball supported here. And a salute to the fans of both uh, sports fan and you know teams. And I think there's some crossover, but I think both teams have really uh, benefited from that support. And hopefully that continues. And I think if both teams continue to win, that support will continue. Yeah, Eric, I have a question here about, um, uh, the statistic that UCF softball right now is leading the country in, which is walks. Now, is that offensive walks or walks allowed? Offensive walks. They're a patient team. They've driven, they've walked over 10 times, like three times this year uh offensively so they're very patient there of course we had that florida game where everybody walked <laughs> because the umpire strike zone was small what uh yeah. but they're they're a patient team they're not they don't swing out of the strike zone 
And that's kind of why these softball games take a little longer than they used to because teams are now become more disciplined. They're more patient. They take pitches. That's part of Coach Ball Malone and Whitney Jones, who's the new hitting coach this year. Remember, she came on board from Washington because Coach Ball Malone now is really focused on the pitching staff and gets and allows her to be in the bullpen more. They streak, they they preach uh patience, they streak off, they they, they also preach offensive efficiency. Being efficient offensively, we hear that so much on football, right, Jeff, with possessions and how you're efficient offensively, even basketball. That applies to softball, too. Be efficient when your runner's on. You know, make the most out of it. Be Put pressure on defenses. That's why they steal a ton of bases. I think they're in the top 10 in stolen bases. They draw a lot of walks, get on base, and that's mostly from their slap hitters to set the table. And again, Shannon Doherty's getting walked a lot. I mean, she's getting the Stephanie Best treatment, Jeff, that you remember. Uh, the joke I always said, the first game I ever saw was uh, when Stephanie Best played. I never got to see her swing a bat because she walked every time. Well, I mean, what you're saying checks out because not only are, is UCF number one in walks drawn in the country, they're 19th in on-base percentage, 420. So that tells you exactly what, you know, what they're able That's to do. That's a fantastic number, by the way, and, 420. And, there's, and, there's, and I think, actually, this is pretty interesting. They are 16th in the country in doubles, which tells me that they're putting some pop on the ball, first of all. They may not be hitting home runs, but they're putting some pop on the ball and their speed on the base pass. Agreed. So, uh, they, so that's that, and that, and now we double check. They're up ten uh, to two now. They we have been a positive two. spin to them since we've been on. They have we exploded offensively. So that yes. so that we continue to to in, in the top of the seventh over Fresno State. So, um, <clears throat> so that brings us to track and field. Bryson Turner, who, uh, well, actually, like, let me wrap softball real quick after Fresno State. Like uh, we were saying, Eric, they are. Set for uh, I'm looking at the schedule right here. And got these, Boston where, Friday. Where can we watch these games because they got because I'm checking the schedule. Boston Friday. Yep. Uh, Iowa State and Fullerton Saturday doubleheader, and then Nebraska Long Beach State Sunday doubleheader. Can we watch these games anywhere? Let's hope so. Uh, um, good question. Two watch. I see two watch links for Fullerton and Long Beach. The host teams. Um, those are the host, the host teams. teams. So, yeah. So they but those not games the Nebraska, are... Iowa State, or Boston games. Yeah, we're that one's got me a little nervous. We may not have streams of that. Uh my boy Kenny Landis, shout out. He's with the team, the SID. I will be bugging him about it. I'm sure he'll put that information out on social media because I will make let's, sure. Let's, let's not bully Kenny into like FaceTiming this thing, okay? Let's, Kenny's I got mean, some listen, work man. To do here. Well, you know, he's a creative guy. He's taking photos out there. I mean you know, he's, he's, it's he's not his responsibility to be single-handedly streaming these games himself. I will say that. <laughs> I concur right. on that. I let's give let's that. give Kenny a little bit of a break here, a well-deserved break. The Ohio State game will be on ESPN Plus. By the way, Ashley Griffin, I just want to give a shout out because she just drove in the two runs to make it ten to two. She hit the walk-off base hit in the South Carolina win on Saturday. That was significant because they pitched around Cody and Doherty to get to her. She's off to a slow start, highly, highly touted catcher with tremendous power. Slow start because she's a freshman. That happens. That's a big hit there in that South Carolina game. Yeah. That could really turn her season around. It could be a, a turning point for her season. I remember Cassidy Brewer in 2016 hit like two hits for the first month of her career. People wanted her bench. She hit a walk-off hit against Utah, and she – the rest was I remember that, that hit against Utah. That was the you were there, right? Point. Were you doing yeah. PA for that? Yeah, I was doing PA for that game. Yeah, yeah, that turned her career around. Ever since then, she went an All Conference performer. I think the same thing could happen to Ashley Griffin, and she's right now making me uh, proven correct because she's having a good West Coast trip so far.
And that takes us to indoor track and field, which the NCAA championships are this weekend, Bryson Turner. And like we mentioned last week, we have two UCF guys participating in the indoors, including Renaya Jones, who's in two events and has a shot, I think a legit shot at winning a national championship. Now the indoors are very much, you know, it's, it's just one event, right? It's not like the outdoors where you have the regionals that feed into the national championships, like a week long thing. Uh, this is two days, but who are we following and when and where can we follow them? All right. So the mat, the, um, if you want to watch it live, it's going to, to be uh, streamed on ESPN three live, which means that if you have a TV provider password, you can log into the ESPN app and watch it and watch it live. However, there will be a re-airing from what I saw before there uh, on the website. There's going to be a re-airing of the whole thing on ESPNU on, at 9.30 p.m. on March 13th. So if you can't make it to see it live. Wait, wow, this is, they will you got to wait that long? Hey. Uh, I mean, well, that's when it, uh, my guess is, is that it's, they want to take the final into account is what my guess is. So it'll be, it would be one day afterward because the first day of action is going to be the semi is going to be the semifinal events on March 11th at 7:15. we kick it off with Renaya Jones in the 60 meter in the 60 meter dash. Then directly afterward at 725, we will have Latasha Smith and the 400 meters. Then a and then about half a, half a little over half an hour late, half, half oh yeah half an hour later, Renaya Jones will be coming back for the sixty for the sixty meter hurdles semifinal. Now those, right, they, those are the semifinals, and the finals right. are the next um, day, the following day, Saturday, right? Yes, the uh, the uh, it'll be uh, uh, food for thought is that basically it's between seven ten and seven forty five for all of the for all of the events on 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 saturday i'll put a tweet out if they make it and i'll make and i'll let you know what time it is Prel at yeah, the preliminary schedule right now on saturday for the finals assuming everyone gets that far 7 10 p.m for the 60 7 20 p.m for the 400 7 40 for the 60 hurdle which is uh which is renaya's main event right um, I, right if i i on, i would say that if there's anything that what that one of these girls is going to win it's renaya and the 60 meter hurdle because a hurdle hurdling is really her bread and butter she's getting better at sprinting but hurdling is her is her bread and butter and i think if we're going to see a, UC, a ucf national champion it's going to be her in that event all right so we'll be keeping a very Probably, that's 9 30 that. sunday night on espnu will air that that's wow first of all this is like retro back to television days of hey let's just air tape delay program this is, this is like this is like the old olympics right <laughs> right like, like, this is like like on I the mean, wide world of sports Dick Embersall would be proud here. Uh, but think about this potential on this Sunday, right? I mean, Fred, I mean, you could watch Renaya Jones potentially win and UCF win uh, Saturday night at 930, right after we find out what the women's basketball seed and where they're going in the NCAA tournament. That's That sets up to be a heck of a Sunday of UCF uh, programming there potentially uh, from about 8 o'clock to about midnight. This is, I mean, This is March, right? This is the equinox. It's happening right now. I just DVR'd it. I just DVR because I'm going to forget. But thank you, Bryson. I'm going to DVR it. 
Uh, I'm still going to, you know, now I'll still look for the results. I will check the results on Banneret, Black and Gold Banneret. I expect you, Bryson, to give us the results and updates, but I will watch. Unless we somehow don't do well, then I'll delete. Well, Friday, uh, I mean, we go to I the, believe- they're going to the bottom of the seventh as we speak right now. It's 10 to 2 UCF leading Fresno. So and Friday, if I remember correctly, finish it out. is men's basketball playing on Friday night? Uh, Let's hope they- so. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed they do. Uh, if they are, they're playing in the semis. <laughs> or, yes. well, no, oh, they're playing quarters, Memphis in the quarters. Quarter. The quarters. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if they win, if they win again, Thursday, you know, and, and again, you get, you're probably listening to this on Thursday as this is up on Thursday morning. Uh, like you said, we'll be following uh, that doubleheader, that Warren I-4 doubleheader in hoops, the men at seven in the first round of the American men's championship, followed by the women facing USF in the championship game, approximately 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we will be following that myself. Uh, Kyle Nash joined us earlier, the SOTG on Twitter, Jeff underscore Sharon on Twitter. You can follow us. Also follow UCF, uh, UCF banner at underscore SPN on Twitter for all the latest and follow Bryson. It's Bryson Turner on Twitter. And Erica, of course, is at Eric Lopez Elo. If you do not uh, subscribe to our podcast, make sure you do. We're on Apple as well as Android, whatever platform you wish. If you do, let us know how we're doing. Give us a rating on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's another busy Weekend. I mean, now the weekends are like long. Now it just all goes together. Like we had basketball on Tuesday. We got basketball on Wednesday. We got basketball on Thursday. Hopefully we have basketball on Friday. We have track and field on Friday. We got baseball on Friday. We got softball Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We got baseball Friday, Saturday. It's like, like it's, it's crazy now, man. It's unbelievable. It's incredible, man. But it's a good time. It's a fun time of year. Uh, and again, great years. And obviously we didn't, Jeff, give that stat again, diamond battles. Who won player of the year and defensive player that you had the stat who was the last ucf basketball player to do that last ucf women's basketball player to win player of the year in a conference a conference postseason player of the year sharia davis 1999 and that oh. was also that also happened to be the last year that UCF pulled off the double. oh see full circle mm, so, the, uh, spooky. lynn bria who's now the head coach at stetson was the head coach at ucf at the time and that was her last season at UCF before she gave way to Gail Striegler, who was the last UCF coach to uh, lead UCF to a regular season title. So um, everything's coming back. It's all coming back. All right. So it'll be a big weekend. That's uh, And as we wrap up, let's see here. What was it? He's not recording any outs yet. Come on. Oh, DeVoe is out there now. Eric. Angelina DeVoe. They just started at the bottom of the seventh. That is correct. All right. So. So we'll be finishing that up. And of course you can follow our Twitter feeds for the latest on that. So uh, once again, so for the student of the game, Kyle Nash for Bryson Turner for Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon saying, thank you so much for listening. This has been the black and gold banneret podcast. Enjoy this busy weekend. Follow us for all the latest and we will be catching up with you on social media, at least at some point, and certainly on blackandgoldbanneret.com as we move through this busy weekend of basketball, baseball, softball, and track. Enjoy the weekend, folks. We'll catch you wherever we can here on Black and Gold Banner.